Miss Tamsin Gregory. As you can see, my name is Jonna Bateman, but you can also call me Grace, whichever one is good for you. How are you doing today? I am. I'm lovely. Yes, I'm doing well. <laughs> You're lovely. You're doing well. I got a lot to see about um, what you do. I researched you, of course, and I saw you're into a lot of different things that are very interesting to me. And before we get into that, Miss Energy Healer, um, <laughs> I do want to ask you a few questions um, about your current relationship status. That's just something that we always start off with. Are you single, married? Um divorced dating whatever what are you right well i am i'm divorced i used to be married but i am currently seeing somebody yes okay you're, you're from divorce to dating when did you get married oh i was young i got married when i was 20 so 20? i'm thir i'm 39 now so yeah i was okay. married when i was 20 and i was married for seven years really did you have any children from that marriage yeah two kids Okay, you had two kids, boy or girl? One of each. One of each. That's great. So how did you meet your um, ex-husband? Um, how did I meet him? Mm -hmm. It was uh, through a mutual friend at a, like a pub. Okay, at a pub. And yeah. uh, what was the difficult parts of your relationship? Oh. Well, you dive right <laughs> in. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, the difficult parts of our relationship was um, he was narcissistic and okay. um, there was also addiction issues. What kind of addiction? Uh, to alcohol and marijuana. Okay. Okay. Alcohol and marijuana. All right. And um, was the marijuana the issue or was the alcohol the issue? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> both, both were, though, yeah. Both were. Okay, and when did you realize there was, you know, this ain't gonna work? Well, that's one of my favorite questions because <laughs> uh, I actually knew prior to getting married. Wow, you knew before marriage. Did you have this, um, I really want to get married thing? Or what was it? What made you want to get married so bad? I think it was... I think it was more getting caught up in uh, like we had actually had like a, a blowout of a fight and I said you know I don't think this is right I don't feel this is right and um, he had come back to me with all the right answers mm -hmm. and um, there was a lot of fear I was very young but there was a mm -hmm. lot of fear that maybe I wouldn't find love again or you know, a maybe lie. that was a mistake. It was, well, what it really was, was mm -hmm. not listening to my intuition, right? I right, brushed right. that aside and I started looking at what he was saying and I said, okay, mm -hmm. let's try again. Yeah. Right, right. And so um, when did you end up saying, okay, I can't do it anymore? I knew I wasn't supposed to get in this marriage in the first place, but now I've got to get out. Um, the first time was shortly after I had my first child, my daughter, um, mm -hmm. and it just really became apparent to me that um, I didn't want my daughter to think that this was okay. how to be loved or how to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I brought it to, to my husband's attention and... Um, it was just always, he always, he always had the right answers. And so I kind of pushed it aside and pushed it aside. And I grew up um, religious, 
going to church mm-hmm. every Sunday. And, and I, you know, when I got married, I, I never wanted to not be married. I was there for mm-hmm. life. So, right. so I kind of just kept telling myself that. And then I had my son and the issues just kept getting larger and mm-hmm. larger. And I think mm-hmm. I just started to get stronger and stronger and understood that, you know, what, I understood that what I was feeling and what I was saying was valid and that right. it didn't matter what somebody else had to say or how pretty it was packaged, that right. that's still how I feeling. Right? What were some of the things that he says that was narcissistic? Um, well, a lot of it was um, very controlling, uh, very much um like I love you, I love you, I love you, but now I'm gonna knock you down and make you feel like you're this big. But mm-hmm. I love you, I love you, so and I don't mean to hurt you. Like you're kind of crazy for feeling that way. So mm-hmm. um and I and I love you. So and so it was just this kind of game. Um mm-hmm. and uh you know, just it was a constant belittling, making mm-hmm. me feel less than and right. um yeah, and, and any time that I would bring it up, he would just say that he didn't mean to. He didn't, that yeah. was not his intentions, but it never right. changed, right? Mm-hmm. And he really never took responsibility for what he was doing. At the time, did you realize that this was narcissistic behavior? No, not at all. It mm-hmm. actually took me probably two years after I left him for me to even say out loud that there was verbal abuse in our marriage. Like, I didn't even mm-hmm. know that was a thing when it was mm-hmm. happening. I mean, I was aware that something right. was right, but you know, it's hard to look at those things when you're in. Right, so before, because you were very young when you um, married him. One second, please. Let's wait for her to get back. Let us wait for her to come back. I'm not sure why that um, cut me out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. It's it's fine. So, um, like I was saying, um, you were very young once you married him. Um, so, did you date before him at all? Did you have a chance to really date? Not really. No. I mean, I had you know when I was like 15, I had this one boy that I was head over heels in love with, but you know it wasn't even really right. dating. Yeah. So you didn't even meet anyone new until what, maybe 30 years old? Yeah, I was. So yeah, John and I, we we divorced. I was 25 when I left that marriage. Okay, 25. Um, and yeah, I I then dated. I've only dated two other guys. Okay. And then now this one that I'm in a relationship with now. So. Okay. And um, so was there any infidelity in your relationship, your marriage? No. No. That's that's really good. So he was yeah. just, he was head over heels for you, but he didn't know how to control himself. That's right. Yeah. Wow. And you ended the marriage. Yeah. How did he take it? It, it wasn't good. It was, um, you know, looking back now, I, I understand that um, that he had like a very big heart and he never knew how to handle his emotions properly, right? Like you said, it was, mm-hmm. um, and so when I said that I wanted uh, the marriage to be done, it was basically a giant outburst of emotions that went on okay. for a couple hours. And Okay. Um, 
And and how is he now? Um, he actually passed away a year ago. Wow. From an overdose. Wow. And how did you take that? Well, that was really hard. Um, so after we divorced, he kind of spiraled down this, you know, party lifestyle. And um, that was, uh, you know, a lot of years of, well, I guess it would have been, what, I was 25 when the marriage ended. And I'm, so yeah, that was 14 years of kind of watching him the, live this lifestyle and trying to sort of protect the kids and also, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, talk to them about why their dad was a certain way. Um, mm. And so that was very difficult over the years yeah. uh, because he would fight that. And mm. um, so actually the night before he passed away, he had called me and he sounded very sick um, and he didn't sound good at all. And um, I told him I wanted him to go into the hospital. And we hadn't actually spoke for months on the phone prior to that. Mm -hmm. It was only through email. So it was interesting. But um, yeah, anyways, I got off the phone and I took the kids for a drive. And I told them that, you know, I'd spoke to their dad. And I said, you know, he didn't sound very healthy. And I just really wanted them to be aware that if he was to actually get sick because of his lifestyle, he may not be that strong to be able to fight whatever sickness he were to get. And I woke up the next morning to a call um, that he had passed away um, a few hours after I got off the phone with him. So, Wow. And it, it seems like over the years, your heart just broke for him. It, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even, it just seems like you just, it's a case that couldn't be solved. It yeah, was I spent many, many years angry, so angry with him and um, you know, angry that that he would put us in this situation and put me in the situation of having to work harder as a mom to explain his issues to, you know, all of this stuff. And <clears throat> I don't know, I think once I got to a place of true healing for myself, I was able to understand mm -hmm. that he was just his own, you know, spirit having yeah. his own war with himself. And, mm -hmm. you know, all we can do is love them the best right. that we can, right? And right. I was tired of fighting. I was still yeah. fighting with him, even though we weren't married. So yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, because you wanted him to be the best he could for your children. Yeah. And how did your children take that? Um, it's been very tough for them, but you know, I think because they had an understanding prior to him dying that he had an addiction and that you know he lived a certain way. It wasn't such a big shock in that sense, right? Um, they have a pretty good understanding of, of what happened, you know, and they're just struggling with trying to live life without their dad and whatever, you know, relationship they had prior to that, whatever state it was, yeah. it's still, their dad is still gone. Right. So, right. And how old were they when he passed? Um, my daughter was 17 and my son was 15. Wow. I was 15 when my dad passed. Wow. And um, I, I definitely, you know, understand, you know, it's just weird. It, it's yeah. a very weird, um, empty feeling. Um, so I'm definitely sorry. I, I'm sure you all are still mourning, especially them. Um, and, and you said you took time to heal 
from leaving him, now you get hurt all over again. And, you know, and you're asking life at one point, when is this pain going to end? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and please, and you're hoping, like, please not this year. Yeah. You know? <laughs> not this year. You know, God, whatever you believe in, just give me a break. Yes. Give me yeah. a break. I, I understand that. And, and it's like a lot of us feel that way when we go through loss. We're just like, give me a break, life, please. Um, and I want to, and I know this is a tough subject. I see it. Um, so we're going to move on. Is that okay with you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I want to know about Miss Energy Healer, intuitive artist. Um, you've got a lot of things that you do and you needed it, obviously. Because yeah. you went through a lot and now you help others get through the things that you have been through, um, even though you're still going through. It's a continued healing, right? That's right. Right. So tell tell me how you got into that. Okay. That's another deep, painful story, but okay. Um, I'm okay with, with sharing it because it okay. is an important message. But mm-hmm. when I was, so it would have been two years after I left my husband, um, I, I, I ended up having issues with my bladder. And it wasn't a major issue. I would just pee a little bit if I coughed or like went running. And so I went into the doctor and he said, your bladder is prolapsing. So he said, we're gonna put in a sling, it's called mesh, transvaginal mesh. And um, he said, it's really simple. Um, I was managing at a restaurant at the time, single mom working. I was like, I need to just get back to work. Yeah. Um, I did get a second opinion that that doctor said it's fine. Um, and he told me that uh, I might have to have it redone in five years. No, no big, big deal. So I had this surgery and right away after that, I started to have a lot of issues, what felt like bladder uh, infections, but they could never find an infection. And so that started to get worse and worse. Um, and when you say bladder infection, like, did it feel... Oh, we lost her again. Let's wait till she gets back. Well, it was like it was getting good. Who's trying to knock her off? really interesting i don't know why it's doing i don't thing. know they don't want us to know what you trying to tell us <laughs> that's <laughs> what i'm thinking it's an important message yes yeah okay. so when you said bladder infection did it feel like a uti is that how it felt yes Ooh. That's so it got to the point where i couldn't i couldn't work anymore mm-hmm. and um and so I was seeing all kinds of specialists and they basically told me that I had a interstitial cystitis, just a painful bladder disease. Basically I was, um, you know, out of luck. Mm-hmm. And I had a phone call from a friend and she said, Tamson, my mother-in-law has the same thing. She has mesh like you do. And she said, uh, she really wants you to know that there's like huge issues with the mesh and that Mm -hmm. it's probably causing your pain. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no, like that can't be because the doctors told me it's not the mesh. The doctors told me it's this. They had, they had, um, uh, ads like commercial about transvaginal mesh.
Yes. So this was like over just over 10 years ago. So at that time, it was not nearly as known about, but they did have some of those ads. Anyways, I told her, you know, thanks for calling me, but it's, that's not what's happening. Like that terrified me. That couldn't be what was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, the my condition just got worse. I was actually like in bed. I couldn't care for my kids anymore. Yeah. Uh, I was in so much pain and she contacted me again. She said, Tamsin, please just look, look like Google it and see if it, you know, coincides with when you had your surgery. So I thought, okay, mm-hmm. what harm? And this is the doctor about? talking to you? No, that was a girlfriend who her okay, mother-in-law okay. had the mesh too. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I looked it up and there was hundreds and hundreds of women that were going through the same thing. And I thought, it all lines up. It started right after I had the mesh put in. It obviously, if the doctors can't find anything, it obviously has to be this mesh. <clears throat> so I started to look into that and do research on that. And every specialist that I saw basically wanted nothing to do with me because lawsuits were starting. So they didn't want mm. to be any part of that. And when they looked at my mesh, it seemed to be okay. So I spent years, like years on uh, many different painkillers. Um, they tried every kind of, of prescription for my pain um, from like, you know, uh, psycho stuff for your brain. Like they just thought it was all in my head. Um, anyways, it took me eight years um, and almost dying twice from that mesh before I found a surgeon that was willing to do the removal for, for this mesh. And this um, mesh is supposed to be helping with the bladder issue. That's right. But what they don't tell you is, number one, it actually was not made to go in a human body. The, uh, the makers, the manuf- manufacturers of the mesh, they covered that up um, and they found a loophole in the FDA so that they were able to you know, make money. That's right. And so, um, and there's, there's so many things with this mesh. It's actually designed to shrink 20% in the first year. So can you imagine it meshes into your tissues and your, all your, your tissues inside and then shrinks 20%. Can you imagine what it's pulling on and what damage it's doing in there with that alone? Okay. And why, what is it shrinking? Shrinking for what? Like the plastic, it's made out of plastic. And so it shrinks itself. The actual mm-hmm. mesh shrinks 20% in the first year that it's inside your body. What it's is it supposed to be shrinking of, for? It's not supposed to really be. It's just part of okay. like, you you know, if you put whatever, I can't think of, like plastic in your car, sometimes okay. it expands or whatever. Ooh, so, and like the yes, chemicals so get yeah. off. Yeah. So, um, because it's made out of polypropylene which is the same plastic that is it it, that our vehicles are made out of your body cannot actually break it down so Mm -hmm. i was having a foreign body reaction like an allergic reaction so imagine you know you see people that get piercings and the body rejects it Mm -hmm. can you imagine if they would leave that in even though it was trying to reject it can you imagine how awful that would be that's what was happening inside my body was trying to reject it um because it was allergic to it and nobody was looking at that nobody was able to see that um and so it was eight years in my body like that the pain was like uh burning barbed wire twisting 24 7 inside wow oh my gosh and and when you went to get it removed they refused the the yeah i'd seen three three different specialists that said no this isn't you know this isn't what's causing your pain or there was one that he said he would remove it but he would only remove half of it and i said 
Why would I allow you to cut me open, right. take half of it for me to continue having this issue? There's no way. Right. So anyways, um, I had the two, finally found the surgeon that she said, I, I'm trained to do the removal. It's not going to be easy. She said, I have to do it in two major surgeries. So the first surgery was to cut internally, hip bone to hip bone, and then straight out the vagina. That was the incision they had to make just to go in and remove part of this mesh. And when she got in there, she said that it, when she touched the mesh to try and pull it out, it like shattered, like she'd never seen before. So she had to spend hours picking these little fragments out. Those, wow. now what she doesn't know, because I spent years uh, researching mesh, those, mm -hmm. some of those little fragments stay in there forever. They yeah, can't even be right. visible to the eye, right? right. So, it's lifelong disability and damage that can be done by mesh that people don't know. You go in like me and you're like, uh, you're told this will fix your bladder issue. And you know what? It never even fixed my bladder issue. It right. Never, never even fixed it. So they it, just wanted it, to sell you something. That's right. That, so anyway. That still makes me angry. Like, yes, but, yeah. furious. Furious. So the second surgery, they did external um, incisions, hip bone to hip bone. And when she went in inside, she found that it had fused to my pubic bone and they had to shave part of my pubic bone off to get it out. I don't know. It's it's all of this is for money. Yeah. Killing killing people just so you can make a buck. Yep. That's evil. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. And it makes you not even want to trust doctors. Because, I mean, who has your best interest at heart? I came right. to you for help and you was looking at me like I'm some money. Yeah. <laughs> so in this, and then this brought you to uh, Reiki, Reiki, is that what you, how you pronounce it? Reiki, so Reiki. I actually, Reiki was something I was curious about many years ago. So when I left my husband, I went to school for massage therapy. And that was mm -hmm. when I first started to be aware of energy. Prior to mm -hmm. that, energy was, I don't know, foreign. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so massage and so, you know, I'd heard people talk about Reiki and energy work, but it, I still didn't know much about it, but yes. So my healing journey, trying to deal mm -hmm. with pain, emotional healing through what I'd been through. Um, I eventually ended up in the hands of a beautiful Reiki master, um, mm -hmm. who it just completely changed my life completely. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even really put into words what was being done because it was energy work, right? So mm -hmm. there's a lot that you can't even really explain. It's kind of like for people that believe in God or spirit or, you know, like there's the things that we can't explain. I don't know why I look outside when I say that. That's where I'm mm -hmm. looking. You guys are wondering. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that we can't explain about faith and, you know, these yeah. things that are not there for the visible. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so... Uh, when, well, two years ago, we moved from, I, I was in Fort St. John, where all my family was, and um, when their dad, he actually moved away, and he was kind of really getting into a bad scene, we moved here to Vancouver Island. I just packed up mm -hmm. the kids, just me, my two kids, and our cat, and we just, I sold almost everything, and we came here. Y'all in another part of Canada? Yeah, it's, well, it's close to Seattle. For those okay. 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 Uh -huh. So we're just across the water from Seattle, but okay. um, it's so beautiful here. And mm -hmm. um, I had just lost my dad 
and I was caring for my dad while I was sick. Dad, my dad had COPD, chronic obtrusive pulmonary disease. Wow. And it was the most grueling, slowest death I've ever watched somebody go through. And um, the pain that uh, I had to watch him go through and the pain I had to go through of watching him, yeah. um, it made me crazy. And so, yeah, um, yeah, moving here, I was like, I need, I need to, um, you know, I, I dove into my healing uh, myself and wanted to also, I had, here we are. They don't want her to tell the story. We're going to wait for her to go back, um, come back on. It's getting really interesting. <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. Tell your story. This is like the most difficult interview you've ever done. <laughs> look, it's not. Look, I'm just going through it. I'm just waiting for you to come back on. I'm uh, okay. So, so anyways, I knew that what I had experienced through my ex-husband, through my medical journey, through physical pain, and then through watching my father die and care for him, I knew, and being a single mom through all of it, that I had, you know, I had carried myself through that with many different healing modalities that I had learned myself. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I'd gotten to this place where I now could share mm -hmm. what I had used to get me to that certain place. So, mm -hmm. yeah. You got to show us something? No, I got to plug my phone in so I don't die on you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's probably why it's cutting off. It's probably trying to save the battery. Maybe, I don't so, know. Really weird. Okay, okay so, okay, so when you, the, the bladder ordeal, it led you to what part of the um, healing or the intuitive ar ar artist, how was it called? Oh, um, okay, so like my artistic side. Yeah, I'm trying to see what is the because it seems like there's a pain that led you into something. Yes. So, so I'm trying to link them together. <laughs> yes. So in 2015, um, the they had put me on some super heavy duty um, painkillers, and she actually crossed a sleeping pill with that that was not supposed to be mixed with that, and I almost died. Wow. Um, that changed my life. Like it wasn't shortly after that, that I, I remember sitting on my couch and I was looking at a painting that somebody had given me and it was just a abstract colors. And I was sitting there really wallowing in pain in, in everything that I'd experienced and feeling completely abandoned by the medical industry. Like at one point I actually, and this is going to sound crazy to some people that, that just can't understand it. But mm -hmm. at one point I wished that I would have had cancer because then I would have had the support from mm. the medical community to deal with it. Whereas with the mesh, you were shunned because they wanted nothing to do with it because of the lawsuits. There wasn't mm -hmm. enough knowledge out there. There wasn't enough. And anyways. Yeah. So I, I remember sitting there looking at this painting and thinking, if I don't change how I am coping with what's happening to me, I, I'm not going to survive this and I need something. And so I thought, I'm just going to go get some canvas and some paint and I'm just going to make a mess with it. Like I know, I knew at that point that color therapy is very healing for your soul, right? It doesn't matter mm -hmm. what you do. So that was my whole intention with that. And I just went on YouTube and looked at, you know, whatever painting I thought was pretty and kind of copied that or did my own thing with that. 
And my mom was like my hugest supporter. And she was like, it's beautiful, Tamsin. I'm going to send you some more canvas. You need to, you need to create a business on Facebook. And I was like, I'm nuts. Like, I'm not making a business on Facebook. That's crazy. Uh, right. But I listened to her. Uh-huh. And um, it just really evolved from there. I mean, there were nights where I couldn't sleep. So I would go downstairs and I would just hey. paint. I love that. And you have, um, I was thinking, I said, hold on. Remember I told you I'm going out of town. I have paint here. And I know that you have a, um, you have an event on Saturday. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm thinking while you're talking, I'm going to bring my paint with me. Yeah. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring something. I have an easel. I have an easel. I was like, I want to paint, you know? Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna paint too because when you were saying art therapy, I, rem- I, I remember I like well you said color therapy, but I call it art therapy, and I like listening to um, calming music and just coloring. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, That's so wow. Yeah. I mean, so um, yeah. Anyone who's interested, Tamsin has an online painting event, and it's therapeutic, right? Yeah, this one um, is especially designed for women. So it's a a female empowerment class. And I'm going to start it off with a little bit of a guided meditation. And we're going to be painting uh, like female hips and then just flowers in the hips. It's very abstracty. But the whole point of it is to be healing for for us, right? We carry so much pain and suffering in that area of our body. Yeah. Yeah, that's why the hips big. That's right. Got, <laughs> got all that stuff in there. But um, Tamsin, I know it's, it's hitting almost thirty minutes. You have a, I know you got to have a book with all of this in there. That book is coming, but I do not have it yet. But I think I got about five books. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You have to write them in segments, or you're gonna be writing forever. So you gotta have book for this, book for that, book for this, book for that. Yes, yes. But, um, this is it, it's too it's too big of a story to um yes. talk in a thirty minute session. Yes. So um, we definitely got to get you back on here. And I just um, is there anything you want to say before? Uh, you have stuff to offer. Offer us some <laughs> of the stuff. I'm trying to figure out. Hold on. Where can we find him? Look, I had to call her. I was like, let me do that. But I was, I was trying to find where you were at on Instagram. I'm over here looking at Tamsin Gregory and I'm just finding all these. <laughs> I was like, where I do is have she? so much going on. So yeah, for those of you that want to find me, I do have um, Tamsin's Art for Your Soul. That's on Facebook or Instagram. And I can am- Can you put it in uh, the comments or is it going to shut off when you try to put it in the comments? I don't know. I can try. <laughs> Um, there's also, I'm a transformational life coach and I okay. obviously I specialize with women that have went through trauma, through, you know, difficult divorces, through loss, through pain and suffering. Those are all my, <laughs> I know okay. those well. <laughs> Look, what's the website? That might be the easiest one to go. So to. I don't have a website. It's just Tamsin okay. Marie on Facebook. Is oh my yeah, it sure person. is. I found that one as well. Tamsin yeah. Marie. Look, I found her. And I was trying to figure out when I called, I was like, why is it ringing like that? It was like, boop. <laughs> And I thought you was in the United States, but you're in a whole other country. I'm like, I'm thinking, are they going to charge me for that call? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, you're adorable. I'm so happy that you got to visit. And you're right. There yeah. is so much to talk about. It is. I'm look Now I'm trying to find Tamsin Marie. And I can't even find. Oh, here we Hold on. That's University of Plymouth. That's not you, is it? Oh, weird. No, that's not me. How about this? You put it down there. Okay. So they can find you. 
Okay. And is there is there anything that you want to say before you leave? Um. Yeah. There's the one thing I just. Oh my God! Really? What are you? <laughs> She's so funny. I think you know. I think it may have ended. Oh, you know what? She came back. She said, "Are you serious? Look, it, it, it's okay. Look, let's hurry up. They try to get us off." I really want people to know that I have been in very dark places where I thought there was no hope where there was no light, where there was, you know, nobody. And I really didn't think I was going to come out of it. So I just really want, if anybody is in that position right now, I want you to trust that there is light at the end of the tunnel, even if you can't see it or feel it, because it's there. It is there. So I just, yeah. That's Thank all you so much, Tamsin. We appreciate you and everyone else. We will see you on Sunday. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>